Hey, welcome back to the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO. And I'm your host, Doug Lear. The last shot, the last shot for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Uh, we still have a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. We're going to get you a podcast extra with Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors, uh, and you can listen to them. You listen to Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors on Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. We know not everybody can listen to them on Saturday mornings. We know not everybody can listen to a podcast. So we break out a podcast extra for you each and every weekend. Before we do that, let's get you a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. You read her work in Dakota Country Magazine. She is an award-winning outdoors communicator, and she connects with uh, the people and the places, the bait shops, the gas stations, the motels, the resorts, the guides, to give us a better idea of where people are going, what they're doing, what they're finding outdoors. Well, Pat, what's cooking outdoors this week? Thanks, Doug. Well, in checking elsewhere around North Dakota, hunting season is starting to draw attention now that grouse and partridge seasons are underway. Granted, not as many North Dakotans take to the prairie in search of sharptails as once was the tradition, but those that do have the opportunity to experience the beauty of the prairie and our grand native bird, the sharptail. But there's still some fishing to be done, and while angler numbers are slowing down, those going out on Devil's Lake are still finding small walleye success. They're working harder to find the larger fish yet. Try jigging in deeper water with cooling water temperatures. They might even find some perch in the north end of Six Mile Bay. Walleye are finally starting to show up in better numbers on Lake Ashtabula, so maybe there will be a nice fall bite for late-season anglers. Plus, there's still some panfish activity. Out west, the Missouri River Tail Race continues producing walleye during the day from boats, with fair-to-good catfish success. There are still limited trout and salmon numbers, however. The shore bite remains better at night for walleye using crankbaits, but the wing walls are still slow. Salmon are probably the best bet on the east end of Lake Sakakawea, which continues producing salmon in 70 feet and deeper using white flashers and white squids. Might also want to try herring. Try morning hours from shore using spoons, map spinners, or crankbaits, as some fish are starting to move into shallower water. Look for more shallow water success as the spawn continues to get underway. Most salmon are still in the 6 to 7 pound range, but there's been limited numbers of larger spawning fish showing up so far. From a walleye perspective, try deep on the bottom in 50 feet for walleye working west around Beulah and Beaver Bays on the south shore, or Nishu Bay on the north side. The Van Hook Arm also has a tougher walleye bite, and anglers are searching in that deeper water. But to wind down on fishing, on a positive note, smallmouth bass remain active on Lake Audubon. North Dakota's youth deer season opens September 16th, and hunters are gearing up for the resident waterfall opener September 24th. Enjoy the outdoors and the opportunities, and please be safe in North Dakota's great outdoors. Appreciate that report. That is Pat Stockdale, and she is an award-winning outdoors communicator. Again, read her work in Dakota Country Magazine and various other publications across the Midwest. Right now, it's time to get you that podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. You hear Brewer and Agri gone outdoors at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Not everybody can listen then, and not everybody can check out their podcast. So here is a podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Josh, um, just give us a little bit of a, a recap. I know you've been out and about, but what are conditions mm-hmm. right now as far as those people chasing uh, early Canada geese? 
Well, for early Canada geese right now, um, conditions are really good. Um, for the region, we are lucky to have had uh, pretty consistent rains across um, eastern North Dakota and uh, northwest uh, Minnesota, more so than our listeners down there in Sioux Falls where it's a, a little bit drier. But around here, conditions um, looking really, really good. A lot of water on the sloughs, a lot of birds around, just waiting for some more of that crop to start coming out. Fantastic. We've got, for those of of us who maybe aren't out doing the early Canada goose thing, but are looking forward to our regular waterfall opener, Mm -hmm. we've got three weeks. Okay. We've got a little bit of time, but not a lot of time, you know, that's all relative. Mm -hmm. And for those of us who are really wanting to be ready that opening morning, let's talk about a few tips, a few things that we can do between now and then to get ourselves prepared, to have our gear ready to go and prepared to be mm-hmm. ready for that opener. And uh, one of the things I know that comes up oftentimes is scouting. What do you have for, for tips on scouting? So scouting. So a couple things. Um, not a lot of crops are out, right? When we start hunting ducks up here in the north. And um, that kind of works out well for us right away. Because if you're a field hunter, it sort of limits the food source for the ducks and the geese. Um, and so, you know, the fewer options, they, they could be great for you because it makes it easier to find them potentially, but it could be bad for you if, you know, if you don't have the permission on that particular field that they're hunting or that they're feeding in. And so, um, the thing about it is, you know, with so many of those options, um, of food source, not there yet, you know, the opener is just a really great time to be targeting the fields that have been harvested, whatever kind of grain they are in your area, go and find them. If you see them out harvesting grain now, drop some pins on those fields. Cause if there's birds in there now, they'll be in there in three weeks. Hey Josh, I got a question for you. You, mm-hmm. you just mentioned if you don't have permission to hunt that land, are there tips that, you know, as guys are out doing their scouting now, I'm assuming this is a great time to maybe start those relationships with landowners. Do you have any tips mm-hmm. to help make that more successful as far as uh, getting landowners to be able to let you hunt their land? Oh boy. That's uh that's a topic all on its own. You know, I think, um, I think the biggest tips that I would that I would give to people, and I can't say that they're necessarily surefire, but just like good, like rule of thumb to lean on here would be, you know, personal appearance. How how do you look when you show up at the front door? And mind you, you should show up at the front door. We've got electronic posting in North Dakota, but if you get lazy and just decide to call on the phone, you, you know, you're not really segregated yourself from any of the college kids at the various universities and community colleges around. Um, And so knocking on doors face to face, personal appearance, how do you drive up into their driveway? You know, don't go flying in there. Don't drive 50 miles an hour past their house. Just basic, you know, uh, just polite things to do, you know, just uh, help yourself stand out that way. And I think it'll bode well for you um, in the upcoming hunting season. It sounds like just be professional and do something that maybe some of the other people aren't just kind of go a little extra further, go that extra mile and uh, then you'll stand out. Yeah. I write Christmas cards to my landowners um, so that I can maintain permission through the next year. And 
highly suggest people do that. <laughs> That's great advice. Maintaining that relationship throughout the off season, not just uh, mm-hmm. the weekend before hunting season opens up is a great piece of advice mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Josh, now you talked a little bit ago about the idea, the concept of field hunting. Uh, I know mm-hmm. when I did a lot of waterfall hunting, I didn't field hunt. I was a water person, right? So I went to mm-hmm. the water. Can you share just a little bit of the the difference in philosophy? You know, what's the what's the guy that sets up in the field? What's he hunting, right? Birds coming from the roost to a food source versus the guy on the water. What are the differences there? Well, for one, you need permission for one, and you typically don't, you know, for the other. We're lucky um, in our area that, you know, we've got those water rights. So we've got more access than most to be able to get on huntable pieces of water and get after those ducks. And I think that's part of what drives so many folks um, to water hunt. But if you're water hunting predominantly, um, hopefully you're going to be hunting the birds as they're coming back from feeding. So it's going to end up being more of a later morning hunt or you're hunting the loaf. A lot of times, you know, birds, they'll leave the roost, they'll go feed in the field, and this is for ducks and geese, and then they'll go to a secondary water source that we like to refer to as a loaf. It's typically a stock pond, sheet water, something like that. And um, those birds are just, as we say, they're going to get a drink before they take a nap. Um, And that's kind of the cycle, and that sort of repeats every day. And so, you know, your ability to access and get permission, but also the type of hunt that you're looking for is kind of going to dictate um, whether you're hunting fields or you're chasing them on the water. That is a great description because that is exactly what I had in mind. Um, it's it's how you set up. It's where you set up. It's a type of uh, uh, location you are looking for, depending on the type of that uh, hunt. Josh, we've got mm-hmm. two minutes left here, and mm-hmm. I wanted to, to hit just a little bit on decoys. Is there any yeah. preseason decoy prep we need to be doing, whether you're field hunting or water hunting, to make sure we're ready for the first day? Um, you know, clean all the mud off your decoys, um, get them out there, get them with the hose, clean the mud off them, make sure that they're clean, um, and looking good for opening day decoys wise, that'll help. And then real quick, just because, uh, Scotty asked me to do a tip on the geese right now, folks, if you're out there and you're looking for some birds scout on rainy days, the birds will feed in the field all day long when it rains. It's a great time to go find them because you don't need to find the water they're roosting on then. That's excellent advice. Josh Sawada of Foul Mouth Outfitters. Josh, if our listeners want more information, if they want to be able to book a, mm-hmm. a hunt, because I know you do take clients out, uh, mm-hmm. what's what's the best way for them to find you? Absolutely, guys. So um, I'm on Facebook with Foul Mouth Outfitters. Um, also um, on Instagram, um, just as myself, Josh Sawada, S-O-W-A-D-A. Take a look. Find me on Instagram. Find me on uh, Facebook and reach out to me. We'll book a hunt. We'll book some fishing and we'll get after it. We appreciate it very much, Josh, that you came and took some time this morning to be able to, to share some of those tips and advice for us. Thank you very much. Thank you guys for having me. I sure appreciate it. Well, that is going to wrap things up for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Appreciate the podcast extra being made available by Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Make sure you check out them Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock. And then also you can check out their podcast at kfgo.com. This has been the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO and FM 104.7. Until next time, I'm Doug Lear reminding you, as always, keep your lines tight and your powder dry. Have a great one out there.